Hello everyone and welcome to This Makes Us Uncomfortable, a podcast where we talk about things that make us uncomfortable. My name's Candice, I use she, her, and they, them pronouns. Hi everyone, my name is Namoya Smith. Uh, I'm currently a bicycle delivery driver, I'm 22 years old. <laughs> What's your sign? Uh, I am an Aquarius and a Gemini moon and rising. Thank you for asking. I'm airy and messy. Um, my pronouns are they, them, and theirs. Amazing. Uh, Namoye, today, what makes you uncomfortable? Today, I'm uncomfortable because I still have not unlearned the behavior of moving out of the way for men when I'm walking down the sidewalk. And I haven't gotten over the fear of their reaction if I were to bump into them. Yeah, because men are scary. Men are fucking scary, and they make me very uncomfortable. Well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, Today, what makes me uncomfortable is this concept of oppression Olympics, which if you don't know what that is, it's like pitting one versus like ableism versus racism and my problems are bigger than yours and all those different things because the elections happening around us right now and all these different debates and it's like, well, this person is better for this and this person is, and that's more of a serious issue and... Who gives a fuck about healthcare? Or who gives a fuck about this, that, and the other thing? We need... That's just... We should be looking and fighting for causes that help everyone advance. And we shouldn't be, like, pitting different forms of oppression against each other. And as someone with a lot of marginalized identities, I'm like, all of y'all need to chill. And I don't understand (laughs) what um, the... I guess what is so difficult to grasp that we are all being oppressed by this oppressive capitalist system and a step in the right direction is a fucking step in the right direction exactly and i think that we all just need to get it together get it together sweetie so today we're going to answer some of your questions as per usual um so one of the questions is how do you get over someone you weren't actually in a relationship with and this applies to situationships where like maybe you were talking or you thought something was going to involve, or maybe just friendships that have ended? I think, well, my view of it is that people come in and out of your life, um, and I think a part of of being um, a person who's inclusive and who provides space for people to grow is allowing for people to choose like when it's their time to not be in your life or when they don't want you in their life. Um, and while it while it hurts, I think that there's some comfort you can take in understanding that, like, not everyone's meant to remain in your life forever. Yeah. Not everyone's meant to just, like, be your ride or die. Like, people are allowed to fade in and out. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with you, and if it does, and they didn't tell you, then, like, that's their space not to. Yeah. And you can just grow from that. Yeah. I think there's a lot of comfort that comes from that. Yeah. Specifically. Just understanding that life is all about cycles, and that person has run their cycle through your life and it's time for them to go. It's a 180. It's time to go. It's time to go. I was very confused as to where you were going. (laughs) Because, you know, cycles, circles, 180. Circles are definitely 360 I know, but 360 would be back at the same point. Okay. I know that. I just wanted to make sure that you knew that circles were 360 (laughs) I I know. I know basic, basic shape. Science. Geometry. <laughs> Correct. I know the science of the shapes. 
please. Geometry. It, that's that's what it's called. Don't shame me. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say that just learning how to accept radical acceptance Oof. is like a therapy skill for dialectical behavioral therapy. Okay, Marsha Linehan. Okay. <laughs> and it's just this idea that you just have to accept what is happening. You just have to realize that that is what's happening and it sucks, but the moment you accept that that's what's happening, you learn how to move on. I think. I I, think. Yeah, I think I've taken a lot of comfort. My radical acceptance phrase is it's neither here nor there. It's neither, neither good nor bad. And we don't know the outcome. Like, yeah. There's a this, good chance that that person being in your life would have been a trash situation for you. Good. It could have been toxic. It could have been, you know, it could have just been not what you needed in that moment in your life. And you just have to trust the universe, God, whatever it is that you believe in, that this is happening for a reason and move on. Yeah. And even if you aren't that person, like the millennials say, sometimes we're just not vibing. And that's okay too. <laughs> okay. Thanks, <laughs> Noy. Because <laughs> I'm a Gen Zer, so I gotta. Oh, okay. I'm actually on the cusp, depending on your demographer. Depending on your demographer. <laughs> um, and how do you get over romantic feelings for a friend? Oh, um, okay, so I actually did something very recently for a couple of friends. Um, I told several friends that I've known for years that I had been in love with them for years, and that pretty much solved that. Like... Yeah? Yeah, and I also think it took me a long time to consider whether or not um, approaching these people with the intentions to only be romantic with them, you know? Like, taking that step into, like, relationship versus friendship if your friendships don't look romantic. Yeah. Right? And so I think um, there was a lot of decisions on my part, and I realized that the part of me that valued what friendship looks like to me was more important and, like, something I would rather keep than, like, an actual romantic, like, relationship with this person. Yeah. And once I figured out that intention, like, once I figured out that that was where I wanted things to go, I think it became easier to just admit my feelings and then let that go. Yeah. Um, if you're not the type of person to tell the person you've been in love with for years that you're in love with them. I am not. Um, or even, not years, because love is love. Um, no time limit. On when you know you're in love. But if you're not the type of person <laughs> to do that, um, I think it's all internal work. I think yeah. it's just like, this is not something I want, or this is not something that is for the time right now, or this is sim- simply not something I want to put my energy into, and like acknowledging those feelings, but also acknowledging you don't have to do anything with them. Yeah. They're there, it's human, it's real, it's natural, but at the end of the day, You don't have to do anything about those feelings. Yeah. I um, lie somewhere on the aromantic spectrum, right? And I had, I have only had romantic feelings for one person in my life. Um, And every time I think about it, I laugh. (laughs) Number one. And two, I think that it, it took me a while to get over the fact that I had romantic feelings for this person, but it didn't take me that long to to make peace with it, and I think that that's the first thing, is be like, okay, I have romantic feelings for that person, and this isn't going to happen, and I just have to make peace with that before I can 
get over the fact that I have romantic <laughs> feelings for this person. And yeah, because I was really, really close to this person in particular, which is why I think romantic feelings developed. But I think the first thing you have to do is make peace. And then maybe you tell them, maybe you don't. You, you don't. <laughs> I would not, but you do you. <laughs> I do. Because <laughs> I'm messy. <laughs> so I'm an air sign. As long as you know who you are. An Aquarius, yes. Okay. That's funny to me, though, because I'm a Cancer, and all I have are feelings. <laughs> I have all the feelings. They're just not ready to be out in the world. Yeah, is that? Until I, like, firmly come to all the conclusions. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I Very just feel analytical. like, depending on what... I normally talk about my feelings a lot, but I'm not going to tell you that I have a crush on you. <laughs> I'm just not going to do that. I also wouldn't tell my friends I'm sexually attracted to them. <laughs> No Even sh- though don't just- shade me. <laughs> There's some shade happening, I podcast really listeners. There's swear. some shade happening I swear. here. So thank you for answering those with me, Namoye. And today we are going to talk about body policing. And before we define body policing, I do want to trigger warn this episode because we are going to be talking a lot about the ways that people view our bodies and the ways that people try to control our bodies and things of that nature. And for those of you who have the types of bodies that are typically policed, I know that this can be very hard because of the trauma that you've experienced because of your body, which is awful, which we will talk about how awful that is. And how uncomfortable it makes us. And how uncomfortable it makes (laughs) us. Um, So Namoye, do you want to define body policing? Yes, I think... It is the restriction, whether total, partial, or minor restriction, of a person's physical, uh, mental, emotional, and, like, verbal presence? Mm-hmm. Being? I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's probably the best definition. I think it's more, definition. like, physical, though. I, but I think policing bodies can be a lot of things. Yeah, I think it can be a lot of things, but I think that... But in this episode, we'll be focusing more on the, like, physical. Yeah. We'll be focusing a lot more on the physical. But I do, like, I think it's just your presence in the world. Yeah. Is what. Which encompasses all those things. Yeah, exactly. Just all of who you are. Yeah. And how you exist. How you show up, I think, is uh, what we mean the most. And there's definitely a difference between the policing of bodies by the legal system. I don't use the word justice system because where is the justice? Mm. and um, the criminalization of certain bodies. That's not what we're going to be talking about today. Um, if y'all are into it, I could talk about it another time. Let me know if that's something you want to hear. But today we're just going to talk about the policing of bodies, and I wanted to talk about um, a very relevant situation, I guess, to start us off when we're talking about the policing of women and assigned female at birth people. Um, and one of the things is T.I. recently disclosed that he takes his daughter to the doctor to see if her hymen is still intact. This is trash. Disgusting. Absolutely. Creepy. So creepy. This is weird. Okay, and if you are defending this man, you are also weird. I'm sorry. I was getting ready for work, and I was listening to 102.3, and they were talking about the listening to The Breakfast Club? Yes. I know. Listen, Candace... Don't shake your head at me, because this is all this is all auditory, so y'all can't see what Candace just did to me. Okay, but it's a breakfast club. Why are you listening to that? I it was literally just on. I had just started my car. Okay. I hadn't I hadn't connected my Bluetooth. 
Okay, okay. And they were talking about the T.I. situation, um, and all of them were like, you know, I respect his decision, I get it, um, but I don't think it's productive because you can't really tell. And I was like... That's not the issue. That's not the issue. Like, the issue is that you're invading this girl's, like, autonomy, space, privacy, body, period. Because of the power that you have over her. And that's scary. And, like, you, her father, are doing this. Yeah. And what sort of, like, precedent... Precedent... There you go. Does that set for, like, other men with That are going to be in her life. But also... Also, But also, that are going to be in her life. Yeah, Um, no. But also other men who have daughters who are like, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. Which, like, again, the fact that, like, that's not how that works. Like, you can't tell if someone's... A, first of all, virginity is fake. But we can talk about that another <laughs> time. Hush. We can talk about that another time. Um, but the hymen not being intact or any of those things, like, that's not how you determine whether or not someone's had sex or not. And also, like, um, I saw someone talking about how um, you know, people are gonna have sex anyway, and what you've done when you tell them not to have sex, when you put them in these situations, and you, you're telling them that you're not gonna be there for them, so one, if something bad happens to them, they're not gonna come to you about it, because you know that they're gonna, they know that you're going to treat them a certain way for even being in that situation, and two, they're they're probably not gonna be safe, they're not gonna come talk to you about birth control or condoms, even though she's 18, um, and he is just exerting power over her because I'm sure she is financially dependent yeah. upon him and all these different things. Um, but yeah, that's just like a way that women's bodies are policed, but it's also a thing that happens, um, worldwide, like, um, virginity testing is something that in other countries people are, you know, subjected to and are like harmed in a lot of ways, like thrown acid on and you know, like, all types of... Just actually, like, really Horrific, really violent things that happen because of virginity tests. And there are also people who, like, purchase, like, sacks of fake blood. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, like, when the first time... And I'm using quotation marks. When their first time happens... Oh, you broke it. Yeah. That's great. Yay. Yeah, you are a virgin. Yeah, please don't harm me. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, and so that's just one of the ways that women's bodies are policed. Something that I also think is, like, telling women what to wear. Oh, for sure. All the time. We were talking about this earlier today. School. Yeah. And, like, wearing freaking, wearing outfits that we wore to job interviews that would be deemed, like, inappropriate inappropriate in in high school. school. (laughs) Yeah, I think that that's something that's really interesting. And I, I wasn't allowed to wear pants without pockets. In high school, I guess that that meant that they were really tight if they didn't have pockets, I think was the rationale. But I think they couldn't say, don't wear tight pants. But also, that's such a ridiculous thing. Um, People, assigned female at birth people, don't really have access. Like, the women's section does not really have clothes with pockets or, like, good pockets. That's just something. They have a pocket that can hold a penny. Exactly. They were, like, cute. (laughs) Great. Great. (laughs) Um, and I think that just in general and how that like leads to like rape culture because we tell women and assigned female or people in general that they're supposed to dress a certain way to not get a certain type of attention and if they do gain that kind of attention it's you know their fault and when that leads to things like 
well, that doesn't lead to things like sexual assault, but when someone is sexually assaulted, people are like, well, why were you wearing this? And which is so wild to me, right? Because when we talk about rape culture and those of us who are actively fighting against that institution, like, it sounds so silly to us, mm-hmm. right? This idea of, like, well, what was she wearing and why was she doing this? I was talking to someone, um, uh, a sexual assault had happened uh, on a college, at the college I went to, and um, the university had sent out this email that basically explained that, like, what you should do, I guess, to avoid sexual violence and the school satirical like newspaper yeah group group had released this thing on like ways to avoid sexual assault and it was like these really ridiculous things that were clearly making fun of the fact that women don't need to wrap yourself in a blanket yeah don't go out of your house yeah like Like... women don't need to avoid sexual assault (laughs) men and people who are sexually assaulting people who are sexually assaulting other people are the ones who need to stop sexually assaulting other people thanks thanks that reminds me when i was a freshman and I was in the program at this at the same college that this happened at. <laughs> Bright little big eyed freshman, ready for college, ready for everything. They sectioned off um, my group into two into two groups. It was men and women. And at the time, I was like, okay, this makes me uncomfortable. I'm not really a woman, but I guess I'm going in the women because I don't think I want to be in the men's lecture. And they brought this man into this woman's space, and then he was like, yeah, this is my body count. If you come to club dressed like this, get ready for your ass to get touched. And, like, if you dress like this, I'm never taking you home to my mama. And, like, I remember some girl raised her hand and she was like, I'll be a hoe and you're going to take me to your mama. Amazing. And, like, everyone was like, yes. And I, I really like that a lot of people in the room, especially me and my and our friend Matias. Yeah. Um, we just, Who like... we will meet later on in this yes, podcast. Yes, Matias, I'm ready for your episode. Um... We, all of us, were just like, what the fuck did you just present to us? Yeah. And why the hell am I being... Subjected. Like, why are you policing my actions the second I get to college? Like, that's weird. Yeah. That you're telling me I'm gonna be sexually assaulted in clubs if I wear this. I'm not worthy of being XYZ in your life. Like, there's assumptions that you will make, and it's fair to make them because I'm wearing a thing. Like, some real bullshit. And I remember just thinking, like, you're, you're, if anything, you just encouraged me to go out of my way, spitefully, <laughs> to, to defy you. Yeah. <laughs> and also, take up my space, like. That you deserve. You're not going to take my space away exactly. from me. Exactly. Um, but that but was a the, good outcome. Yes, <laughs> the satirical, but I was showing this person in my life the satirical piece, and I was laughing at how funny it was, but this person thought it was fucking serious. Oh, <laughs> And they were like, oh, yeah, like, you have to be careful and you have to do these certain things. And when you're not, things happen. And I'm like, no, fuck that. I shouldn't have to do anything. This is no one's fault. Like, experiencing violence is nobody's fault. And I think that when we body police and whatever its type of... uh, Body policing is also the justification of violence. I definitely think so. Whether that's institutional violence, whether that's physical um, interpersonal violence, whether that's emotional violence, it's like, well, if you did not do this thing, then it's your fault. It's your fault. You did. You decided not to adhere to these colonialist white My supremacist, supremacist. <laughs> um, <laughs> patriarchal views of what you were supposed to do, and like that's on you. Yeah. 
And it's um, fucked up. Yeah, it is. Um, and then Namoya was telling me earlier about this um, organization called Project Prevention. Do you want to talk more about it? Oh my god. I remember watching this and just being like, this is so fucked up. So obviously there's a stigma around um, drug misuse, right? And the people who do use drugs that is by society deemed like irresponsible, unrespectable, evil, evil whatever. Um, which, listeners, is all bullshit. Anyone who's doing drugs, you have no right to judge them, ever, for any circumstance. It doesn't matter. It's not, it's not your place. Um, you should take care of that person and be kind. Mm -hmm. That is all I will say on that. But, um, this project prevention, it's this lady, she drives around in a freaking van, and she goes to these, like, low-SES areas, she finds these women who are dealing with drug misuse. She's like, hey, I know you're doing drugs. You don't want to hurt your future babies. Let me tie your tubes. Let me give you this thing for this clinic. You walk in, they tie your tubes, and you get some money. Yeah, she, like, pays them so she can sterilize and make sure that they do not have children. And she's like, I'm such a good person. I'm such a great person. I'm keeping these babies off the street and out of the hands of these evil women yeah. doing drugs, and it... It's just such bullshit because, like, a lot of these women who are on the streets, like, they don't actually, like, understand. What like, or they what's... don't really have the option to say no to money. Yeah. And instead of, like, this woman doing other things with her money, like, helping these people get the assistance that they need, she is making sure they do not have children and reproduce. She's committing violence. She really is. And I was reading an interview with her, and she was like... The interviewer was like, how do you feel when people call you a Nazi? And she's like, it doesn't really bother me. And I'm like, but you're a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't bother you because you are a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> disgusting. And, yeah, it is really disgusting. Another way that I think of body policing, which I think is one of the most prevalent ways that people think about body policing, is fat phobia. Mm. And uh, Nemoya and I are both fat people. Hey-oh, hey. my fatties. Um... That sounds like a fan name. <laughs> what up, my fatty? Yeah. <laughs> that would be a really cute fan name. It really would. Um, or fandom name, rather. And I think one thing that reminds me... Okay, so I don't believe that fat phobia is ever about health. That is my personal belief. However, there are other fat people who disagree with me that say sometimes it is they care about your health. But, you know, mind your fucking business. Number one, fatness does not equate to health. And what, like, when it comes to things like obesity and all of these different rates, first of all, the body mass index scale is... Scam. Bullshit. <laughs> a total scam is based completely off of, like, white men. Ooh. And there was a lot of other companies that were, like, a lot of people who lobbied so that the BMI looked a certain way. And you all have no reason to trust the United States government. <laughs> certain things. Like, that is, you have no reason to believe the U.S. when they're, who profits off of, you know, like, all of these different... Violences. Different violences. You have no reason to believe them when they're like yeah this this measure of your body is what's going to decide whether or not you live or die <laughs> also if you get a job also if people respect you also if people will listen to your medical concerns also if you'll yeah. be able to afford clothing and food and housing also if you'll be able to to do things like use amenities at places and be comfortable and you know all these things all this bullshit 
Yeah. It's based off of this white supremacist, colonialist, patriarchal idea of what good bodies are. What good bodies are. And I think that people don't understand that fat phobia really kills people because there are a lot of situations where people have legitimate health concerns and their doctors are ignoring them because their doctors are just like, well, you are fat, so just go ahead, lose some weight, and you'll be good. And it's (laughs) not true. I read this article. It was great. Um, it was just published recently. It was called My Doctor Tried to Kill Me. Yeah. And it was this woman. She walked in. She had a severe um, iron deficiency. She was very anemic. Um, she experienced this once in her life, so she figured it out. She was like, I'm, I'm probably anemic. Again, I need to go to the doctor. He was like, we're not doing blood tests on you. You just need to lose weight. And she advocated for herself firmly. She was like, are you telling me that you are refusing to give me a blood test despite the facts that I'm showing symptoms for being anemic. And he was like, and of course, as soon as you challenge that and tell the doctor to write it down in the notes that you denied this service. Which is something I want all of you to remember. (laughs) Tell your doctor to write it in your notes that they denied you a service. I actually did that recently. Yes, empowering. very much work. I was like, yeah, I, I need you to explain to me why you think that this is the thing. Yeah, thank you. And it worked. And sure he, did. He ended up running the blood test on her. Turns out, anemic as fuck. And she said, so let me get this straight, doc. You were going to tell me to exercise for the next 25 days and to lose as much weight as I could in those next 25 days. Tell me, doc, what would have happened if I exercised like you told me to? Yeah. And he was like, you probably would be dead. And she was like, cool, great. Thanks. I'll be taking my fucking iron pills now. Yeah. And she walked out of there, and I just think, like, the policing of fat bodies is so terrifying sometimes. Mm -hmm. To the point where a doctor would rather tell a fat person, you're you're a waste of my time, Mm -hmm. you're in here because you're fat, so why don't you just go lose weight? Because that doctor has been taught to, to do, do those that. things. It is so wild. And that's why, like, the policing of fat people goes beyond this, like, surface level, like, oh, we care about your health. But yeah. No, like, you are committing actual acts of violence and you are helping a system destroy an entire group of people an who are just trying to live. Yeah. And even <laughs> if, like, they did care about your health, which, again, I don't believe that they do, um, there's. People, it's impossible for them to lose weight. Like, their bodies, their health conditions, and just, like, that is the weight that they naturally are. And there's no way for them to change that. And so you're, like... And, again, that doesn't matter. Even if they, they could change that, again, none of your fucking business. And it doesn't mean that people shouldn't get jobs when it's proven that fat people have a hard time finding employment. Um, they shouldn't have... A hard time just navigating through this world. Clothes shouldn't be this expensive. And for those of you who are going to be like, it costs more for the fabric. Uh, Five cents versus $50? No. No, <laughs> no it doesn't. Five cents a yard and you're charging me an extra 50 Yeah. compared to the super small size on the other rack? Yeah. Got my face. Also, Old Navy was caught because they will charge the same price for plus size men's clothes as they do regular size quote unquote regular size men's clothes i don't know another fucked up non-fucked up way of saying regular okay um 
But for women's plus size um, clothing, it's more expensive. See y'all. And they try to be like, we have to hire special um, people to create the clothes a certain way when it's plus size. Y'all are full of shit. There's no reason. That clothes don't look good on my body. Stop lying to me. Stop lying to me. (laughs) Your jeans fall off my ass every four seconds. Ain't no one special handcrafted this for my fat ass. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, thanks, bye. Okay, thanks, bye. Um, do you have anything more you want to say about fat phobia? Um, that's fucked up, and I think it is probably the deepest form of body policing that I am still working through to this day. Mm-hmm. I think fat phobia and the body policing that comes with it is the one thing that just has, still has its hooks in my life, and I... I'm actively seeking every day to get rid of it. But it is fucking hard. It is really hard to get over fat phobia. I think especially, like, I was just socialized at such a young age for people to shame me. Yep. For my body and what my body looked like. And people being like, you know, I remember there's a person who would ask me, like, are you comfortable with the way you look like? Because if you are, I'll leave you alone. And I'd be like, yes. And then, like, a week later, they'd be like, I thought about putting you on diet pills. And I'm like, those kill people, so no thank you. <laughs> you want tapeworms in my intestines? Yeah. No thank you. Yeah, no thank you. And again, it's all so much tied to, like, colonization, because the way bodies were policed was not the same. Thin and white is good. Yeah. Everything else is bad. Yeah. Every every variation of that. Even, like, the other white bodies that are not thin are bad bodies. Yeah. And that's fucking wild. Yeah. Hundreds of years. Disgusting. Disgusting. Well, there's also been a fluctuation in what we've seen as socially acceptable, right? Like, even with white bodies, like, you know, being bigger used to be more of a, like, used to be a better thing. Like, But also, that bigger was, like, our current slim fat issue. So, like, for those of you who don't know, there's a big, um, there's a big trend in a lot of, like, anti-fat phobia communities where we just like go in (laughs) on this concept of slim fat because it's like a lot of these brands are like look plus size is great embrace your curves you know you see the dove commercials with these women but all of them have semi-flat tummies yeah and they're just curvy and thick from like a profile view. Yeah, and they have like big butts and big thighs and, and big boobs. Their skin and, like, is perfect. They have no hyperpigmentation. Yeah. No double chins. Yeah. None of them have double chins. And if they do, they've been edited the fuck out. Yeah. And that's this concept of slim fat. And even in like previous like eras, right, where different bodies were embraced, it was still it was never actually fat fat. It's always been this like verge of fat. You know, mm-hmm. that's my, that's my say. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say about fat phobia. Okay. Well, another thing I wanted to talk about is trans bodies. Yes. Let's get into it. Um, so. Society's so fucked up. So I think two things that come to mind when I think about trans bodies is one, there's this idea of what trans bodies are supposed to look like is these are the things that you have to do to be considered trans, um, and even now that people are accepting more non-binary people and the concept of being non-binary or they're more accepting of it, um, is that you still have to look a certain way to be considered non-binary. And I think the second thing I think about when I think about trans bodies is 
how the barriers that are put up to get the body that they want mm. um, and how on one hand they're being told that their body has to look a certain way for them to be legitimate on the other hand the government the healthcare system all these different things are making it difficult for them to get the bodies that they may want now trans bodies don't have to look a certain way for them to be trans like no one owes you shit I don't get why society thinks that my physical appearance my physical being in this world needs to mean something for them needs to give them something it doesn't it doesn't it never has and it never has and it never will and it never will <laughs> um yeah I think that like people think that like if they're um a trans woman or a trans feminine person that they need to you know, not have facial hair or to grow their hair out, um, and to dress a certain way, dress a certain way. Also not be fat. Yes. For like those things to be like as feminine, quote unquote feminine as they possibly could be. And same thing with trans men and trans masculine people is they're expected to try to grow facial hair and to have their hair really short and to be as masculine as they possibly could be. No dresses, no makeup, no makeup. I think is, Yeah. I, I feel like no makeup is a really big thing. Because, like, yeah. the second you announce, like, hey, I'm a trans guy, and you fucking put on any ounce of makeup, people are like, are you a girl now? And, like, I feel like there's a universal sigh that occurs. Yeah. Between all, <laughs> all trans men and all trans mass <laughs> people, when someone, when one of us, like, gets asked that, it's just like... <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and no one knows why they're sighing, but universally... Yeah. They all know the feeling. Yeah, I feel like I've had people question my non-binaryness because I really like wearing dresses, yes. and I really love wearing makeup because I'm really good at putting makeup on. Yes, number hello. one, um, and number two, it's just fun. Why would you not? I understand why you would not want to put on makeup, <laughs> but it's a fun time. If you've never tried it and you're thinking of trying it, go put some makeup on. Put some makeup on. Um, and don't judge yourself. Yes, because uh, and no one's good the first time. That's correct. Ooh, ask people who knew me in high school. I went through a lot. Oh, I'm sorry. Are your wings two different lengths? Uh, <laughs> you got a stubby one and a pointy one? Wow. <laughs> Cute. We don't have to talk about it. Um, Do we? We don't. And then the healthcare system. The healthcare system is so violent. I think that we often, a word that comes to my mind that when I think of the healthcare system is manslaughter. Um, because of the way that the healthcare system, like, when we talked about fat bodies in a, a little bit ago, like, like, it literally just, like, is responsible for literal death. Yeah. That happens. Which is funny, because your whole thing is to, like, I don't know, save people? I think. Question mark? I don't know. Never yeah. been to a hospital that <laughs> saved me. <laughs> Wouldn't know. <laughs> um, I also think that when we don't do the research that we need to do on, like, things like, um, binding for trans men and masculine people or people who just want to bind in general um like we don't really have the research on how that really affects people or the access to the resources to do these things the access to the resources to do these things yeah i just i have a lot of feelings about trans bodies do you have feelings i have so many feelings um i feel like when i'm when i know i'm gonna be around my queer chosen family for an extended period of time my beard is out. My mustache has grown. My eyebrows are, f- like, fuzzy and, like, I don't know. I'm just me. Like, all the hair on my body just grows. And I just, I want to dress dresses, pants, like, more masculine. Do I want to wear whatever, whatever, whatever. 
um, not that any clothes are necessarily gendered, right? Yeah. However, um, in terms of making things clear, right? When I'm around my chosen family, I, like, there's no part of me that's like, does anyone here doubt or invalidate my gender identity and my sexual orientation? But when I'm out around other people, like, who aren't in my chosen family or strangers, I, my face is shaved, my eyebrows are plucked, I have makeup on, my appearance is super femme, according to the book, super femme. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, not that I don't like doing those things. I, it just feels more like a performance. Mm-hmm. And it makes me feel uncomfortable. Hey. <laughs> Like but the guys. bad uncomfortable. The bad uncomfortable. Not the good growing uncomfortable. Yeah. The I want to shrink into my body and disappear from this space sort of uncomfortable. Yes. And um, I think that especially because with, you know, non-binary people, it's like um, you're, you're mask, you're white, you're AFAB, you dress a certain way, and like yeah, that's non-binary, you're yes. super androgynous mask. Yeah. But, like, no no one else can fall under that spectrum. Yeah. Um, even though plenty of us exist. And, like, sometimes I want to rock a glitter beard. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I want to look super femme. Sometimes I want to look super mask. And, like, sometimes I just want to look androgynous. Yeah. And all those times are valid. And it's a lot to fluctuate. And for other people, it's a lot to stay one place. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think a lot of, and even inter-community policing between trans people is something that we see a lot. Like, gatekeeping the trans experience Yeah, is also another way that, like, violence against trans people comes up. Yeah, I think I've met a lot of people who think that being non-binary is, like, a um, a stop in, in your journey to becoming fully trans, quote-unquote. Like, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> literally, fuck you. This is my journey right here. Yeah. Like... We've kind of reached the destination. Thanks. Um, <laughs> uh, everyone, uh, get off the train. Yeah. Choo choo. Yeah, but I think even even gatekeeping as a form of body policing is really prevalent, and I think that shows up in a lot of different ways in our community. I agree. That's all I have to say. Yes, and also fuck the government. Fuck the government for making things like surgeries so expensive and also health insurance companies for not covering those surgeries fuck y'all fuck Um, y'all and then one of the last things i want to talk about is the body policing of black and brown bodies Mm. um i think something i think about is like hair for black people a lot like there's been there's that non-profit where this white woman goes around and cuts off locks um of young black boys and to give them a better chance which is so gross. At what, ma'am? At what? Yeah, there's girls being kicked out of school for having natural hairstyles or... Having their fro? <laughs> for having their fro. I wish someone... I, oh my god, if I had natural hair when I was in high school, I wish someone was like... I wish someone would have. I would have decked them. Been like, really? You have a problem? One, two, one, two. <laughs> Knock out. Bye, I'm changing schools. Yeah. <laughs> And just the idea that, like, black body code switching is something that a lot of black people have to do just because of their sheer existence. Like, the way that they talk. I I remember when I was younger talking in very thick AAVE, African American Vernacular English, and people trying to, like, get that out of me. 
like making sure I spoke quote unquote proper English, um, which is I think a form of policing. For sure. Um, because there's nothing wrong with speaking. It's just wild to me that other dialects are sometimes even like uplifted or joked about, like. You mean like southern draws? Or yes. Ooh, I love a good southern draw. Good southern draw. Um, and like New York accents and like just different forms of dialects. British accents. Yeah, or British dialects like is yeah. something that's like really coveted in some ways. Like you want to achieve those things, but black people having their own form of a dialect is inappropriate, is Savage, uneducated. It is gross. It's, it's, yeah, it's uncivilized and all of these different types of things, which is purely racist and I think also when I think of like the policing of black bodies I think of the policing of black assigned female at birth people like the history that that has and brown indigenous in particular assigned female at birth people and sterilization like we talked about women who this white woman who goes around sterilizing on people who are addicted to drugs and you know there's a long history of the United States forcibly sterilizing black and brown women, like oh, not just even had just had a baby, choop, choop, choop. yeah, and, and then they don't know until years later when, when they, they can't can have, have a kids. baby, yeah, and that type of thing still happens. There's also, have you heard of the um, the husband stitch? No. Okay, this is something that happens across races. Um, it's basically after a um person gives birth it typically happens to women um who have husbands and after a woman gives birth they'll put in an extra stitch when they are stitching up the vagina back for the husband to make it like tighter or whatever and then to make it and which makes it more painful for women why i don't fucking know the husband's stitch? Yeah, I'm pretty that sure That sounds like a fucking horror movie. It sounds like, what kind of dystopian shit? The husband's stitch. <laughs> yeah, it happens all the time, and it happens, like, a lot of these times, like, when sterilization has happened, and people still go into indigenous communities and um, convince women to be sterilized or use the power that they have over um, indigenous women to They're sterilize guilty them. You're too poor to take care of another kid. Oh, yeah. Why would you give this kid this life? Yeah. Are you just going to give up this kid for adoption? Yeah. Like, oh, you want to have to abort this? Like, just all all the things under the sun people will say. Yeah. Just to get someone to fucking sterilize themselves. Yeah. And not even, like, some of this shit is really sketchy. Like, when I was, when I was watching the video about the woman in the van, like, I did some... Some little, you know, research. Don't out me. Yes, Wikipedia is not always the best source, but sometimes it's got those hyperlinks that are the good source. Exactly. And that's why we stay on Wikipedia. So audience, please don't come for me, because I'm about to tell you I got some of this shit from Wikipedia. So I was doing some research about these sketchy ass operations, and sometimes they just have a pot of boiling water and a bunch of instruments and just someone who's like vaguely trained. And doing things like this. I'm very stressed out. No. And they'll just like take their little car, boop, 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 all their little tools, set up, set up a little tent. And they're like, hey, come get sterilized. Doop to do. And like, that's, that's their shit. And like, no one's batting an eye at this. No one's like, hmm, untrained medical professionals doing this things in communities of color. Yeah. Suspicious. 
illegal. Yeah. Well, that's the entire history of the United States. We I know. <laughs> but I'm just like, <laughs> I know that this is the entire history. It doesn't change the fact that I'm pressed that these yeah, people absolutely. think that they're doing God's work when they're yeah, not or... even correctly sterilizing the tools that they're using, not ensuring the health of these people, and also committing violence. Yeah. Like, you're committing violence... And you're doing it in a really unsafe way and like, yeah. fuck you for putting yeah. these people's lives literally in danger. Okay. Not that that like. Yeah. I think reproductive <laughs> health is something that like is commonly pleased. One, they haven't made really a lot of updates to reproductive health in like years. Like they don't update it as much as like the research isn't really there. And I also think that when we're talking about like sexual health, like we talk about how to oppress like sexual bodies and like we over sexualize black and brown bodies all the time and it's just so interesting to me that one when we're talking about reproductive health that we try to control them all the time like restricting access to abortion 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 (laughs) and telling them what to do but we also I don't know we don't care about the sexual well-being of these people Um, we don't care about, like, you know, things like orgasms and things of that nature. Like, we tell people what they can't do or what they can do, but we don't actually care. Like, no one cares about their well-being. You did your job. Yeah. It's weird. It is weird. It's really fucking weird. You did your job. All right. Here's the husband stitch for you. Yeah. Like, you're weird. Like, you did, even when you do everything that they ask you to do, they still will punish you for just existing. Yeah. No matter what you do, you could be the quiet fat person, um, so you don't take up a lot of space, they'll still hate you. You can be, um, the polite black girl who doesn't speak up much or who doesn't, they'll still hate you for being aggressive. Like, it doesn't matter... And I think what you do to adhere to what they want your body and your existence to be, they're still going to hate you. And I think that's why living by that principle that you were talking about earlier of like, I'm not here to, my body is not here, my existence is not real, to give you something out of life. Yeah. Like it has never been that. And I think that that's like, I know we haven't talked about this, but I kind of want to talk about this, the protection against body policing. And, like, the healing that comes from that. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think there's a certain liberation that comes with that thought. Like, I think that's the beginning piece to living a more liberated life from body shaming and body policing and and violence against our bodies. It's just, like, being like, you don't own me. I'm not here for your entertainment. I'm not here to satisfy anything for you. I'm here for me and my existence and living my life. And, like... Fuck you. I don't care if I'm not nice on your eyes or fucking sweet to your ears. Like, fuck you. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. Literally go fuck yourself. Thank you. Bye. Okay, thanks. Bye. Okay, thanks. Bye. Um. <laughs> Nomoya, do you have any closing thoughts? Um, fuck body policing. Uh, to the candy fans out there. My nickname's what? Candy, for those yes. of you who do not what, know that. What are, what is, what's your fandom called? Uh, they don't have a name. Get on that stat. I'll be in the chat logs. I don't think there are chat logs. I'll be in the the Twitter forums. I don't think those are there yet. This is a very... <laughs> this is showing the very early stages. Uh, 
I'm gonna be in the comment section below. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll just call them um, your candy yams for now. Okay. To all my candy yams. Are you saying candy yams? Yeah, yams. Y A M S. Okay. What does it sound like I'm saying? I don't know. I have an ear infection. Candy I can't fams. Hear very well. Y'all wish me luck with this ear infection. <laughs> my dog candy's suffering. Yeah. I have a swimmer's ear infection, just for the record. It is the kind that you get from, like, water retaining in your ears, not because I don't clean my ears. My ears are clean. And even if you didn't clean your ears, who fucking cares? You're it's right. none of their business. It is none of their business. <laughs> Body policing. And that is the end of our episode. <laughs> no. no. Um, okay, so... My actual closing thought okay. is um, y'all live your life to, to the greatest heights that you want it to be, to the fullest potential that you can achieve for yourself. That's beautiful. And like, fuck everyone else because it's dystopian out here. I don't know if y'all know about the news and shit. It is a little dystopian out here. <laughs> it is a it. little dystopian out here. Um, and I don't, I don't got time and I know y'all don't got time to be worrying about the policing of your bodies. So, you know, fucking fight back own your space and be loud. Take up your space. Yeah. Fuck them. Um, my closing thought is that you only have one body in this lifetime and you should take care of it in whatever way that means for you. Um, I understand that certain bodies can be harder to love like disabled bodies for those of us who do have disabilities that causes a lot of pain and other things like that it's hard to love your bodies also body dysmorphia is so incredibly real and so incredibly valid and it is very hard to love your bodies but I encourage you to do the radical self-love work that it takes to love your body um, and I encourage you to go on that journey and other than that, Nimoye, where can the people find you? For all y'all out there, <laughs> you can find me on Instagram with uh, at nigga underscore squared. That's also my Twitter handle. Um, you can find me at my Venmo and Cash App, <laughs> which my Cash App is dollar sign Nimoye, N-A-M-O-J-E. Uh, my Venmo is at Namoye, same spelling. Yeah, um, I'll see y'all in my comment section on Venmo. Dope. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here, Namoye. Thank you. And I hope you all have a beautiful, beautiful day. Bye. Bye.